What's going on, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy, and I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love, and let's just jump straight into it. Well, here we are, another week, another podcast. Hope you are all having a great day, and um, I really think I've got a really interesting one here for you. Um, as I kind of said in the show notes, if you read them, I don't even know if anyone actually even reads those show notes, but I do put show notes in there and kind of explain what the podcast is going to be about so you can have a read. But if you didn't read it um, and you've just seen the headline, basically what I wanted to get across on this particular episode is to outline exactly how I go through the process of designing a program and a layout of a program, whether that's just a single program or looking for a longevity um, type program in that, <clears throat> excuse me, someone's coming to me and said, look, Adam, in three months time, six months time, 12 months time, whatever the longer period of time is, I have X goal to try and achieve. Can we start looking at a program that'll help me get to that? Or if it's just a single, can you write me a program? I've got a single outcome that I want to achieve in the next six weeks kind of thing. I'm going to kind of take you through the step-by-step process that I have used for myself and my clients over the some 15 years that I've been you know, operating my clinic and operating as an exercise physiologist and how I've written you know, in excess of 20,000 exercise programs. Um, and I would consider myself pretty good at doing my job. And as I said in the show notes, even if you were terrible at your job, if you did it 20,000 times, you'd probably be much more competent and efficient and better at it than the vast majority of the public, whether that's being a plumber, a painter, a singer, I don't know, writing code, whatever it might be. Even if you were terrible at it and you weren't really that proficient at it, but you did it 20,000 times, you'd probably become pretty, as I said, much better than the general public at it. And so I do believe I'm quite good at what I do. And the fact that I've done it over 20,000 times, I think I'm in a pretty good place to be able to give you what I believe is probably some of the best advice that you can get to help you structure and write a program for yourself. Or if you already have someone that is doing this for you, whether that's a trainer or in any form of kind of coach and client type role, that I hope that you can start to spot whether you are actually being attended to in the way that you should be. And if you're not, you can pull that uh, you know, coach up and say, look, I don't think you're really helping me take the steps that I want to to get to where I'm trying to get to. Can we look at rearranging X, Y, and Z so we can start doing that? Or you can say, look, this isn't the relationship I'm after. I'm moving on and going to find someone else to help me get to my goals. Whatever your goal is out of this, I hope that you walk away from this podcast today having a much better understanding of what constitutes to a good program how to write that program and how, as I said, you can start structuring um, your own programs, how you can start going about it. And so I thought I'd start this podcast by giving you an understanding, I guess, of what I tend to do when a brand new person comes to me, gives me a call and says, Adam, I've been referred to you by my doctor or my friend or just a cold call and I need to achieve X goal. Can you help me get there? And I guess what that conversation then I guess, flows on from, what my initial assessment um, would look like and what I talk about, how I go about it, and then how that starts formulating ideas in my head of how we can then start moving forward to start writing the macro phases, the micro phases, the different 
um, kind of phases we'd have throughout that program, the different uh, modalities we would use, so whether that's strength training, whether that's some cardio training, a mixture of both. Do we use HIT? Do we use LIST? Do we, do, you know, all the different kind of factors that would go into the different um, phases and different, I guess, parameters around that program. And then what that structure would look like, you know, how many days a week, when do we start changing things up? Do we readjust things along the way? And going through that entire process with you so that, as I said, you hear this, you can make notes about this as you're kind of listening to me today and start structuring it yourself. Or as I said, you can start looking at your current plan that your current coach has written for you and you can start to see if it's really pushing you in the direction that you want it to be and that you can have that open and honest conversation with your coach that if it's not directing you where you want it to be, that you can have a better understanding to have a good conversation with them to be able to help you move forward and achieve your goals. And that's what I guess my goal is always for any client, whether you're a paying client or just someone listening to this now and trying to get some advice on how to structure a program. I hope you walk away with some knowledge that's going to help you progress and achieve your goals. That's the number one and only thing that I ever aim for. So let's just jump straight into it. I think to start with, as I said, what do I do? And if you were coming to me, first session, we sit down, I always plan to have a one hour consultation with someone. And that one hour consultation will be nothing but us talking backwards and forwards. I call it our first date. I always um, say that, you know, initial consultation should feel like that first date. We're sitting down, we're trying to find out about each other. What are your what are your likes? What are your dislikes? Where are you coming from? Where's your you know your pre-exercise um, history? What's your current exercise history? What's your goals? How can I help facilitate things that are going to help you get from where you have been to where you are to where you want to go? And what are your likes? What are your dislikes? So what things are we going to employ inside that program that are really going to be what you like? You know, obviously we should try and find a program that's going to um, motivate you to want to go you want to enjoy it you don't want to just do something just because it's a chore that you have to do yes there are certain things that are going to be technically a better option but as i always say even if the best laid program if you hate it and you're never going to do it even the best laid program is going to be useless because you're not going to do it so it's not going to be effective at all so i'd much rather have you have a mediocre program that you do all the time that you really enjoy as opposed to the perfect program, but something you hate and never go to. So as I said, to start out with the full assessment and where you should start your you know, own journey and kind of as you're listening to this is think about where you've come from. Think about all of the things that you did before you were here. Think about what sports you did, what injuries you've had. What are the things that kind of got you to where you currently are now? Excuse me, I'll turn my phone off there. Um, and that, I think, really sets a pathway of where to move forward from here because I think most of us can probably relate and say, the things we did as kids are the things that we really enjoyed. So often as an adult, we start doing things because we feel we have to or we get mixed up with all the information that's out there of, oh, that's the best thing or that's the best thing. You should be doing this, you should be doing that. And that can sometimes cloud our judgment of what we should be doing as opposed to what we want to be doing. And so I think setting an understanding of where have you come from And what have you really enjoyed in the past is a really good platform to start just to get the juices flowing in the brains to kind of, okay, when we start talking about what are we going to do, you can start understanding what did you like to do, so let's start employing some of those things. So I think having a really good pre-understanding of where you've come from is a really good place to be. And then moving into what are you currently doing? What are you currently 
you know, giving over in regards to time. Do you have um, time? Now, of course, you've always heard me say we always have time, but it's no use in planning out a plan or a program that's going to see you doing seven days a week worth of exercise if currently you're doing none and you can barely even try and formulate in your mind of where you're going to find even an hour a week to actually in, add in even a single um, exercise bout. So there's no point setting yourself up for failure on day on day one with a program that's going to have you attaining, um, attending to it multiple times a week when you can't even find yourself time to even do one session at the current moment. So again, finding where you come from, finding where you are now, and then what's the goal? What's the actual outcome? If you don't know where you're going, you have no idea where to point the needle to actually direct you to where that goal is. You know, Is your goal to run your first ever fun run? Be that a fun run of 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon. Is your goal to start lifting weights? You want to get stronger. Well, okay, cool, you want to get stronger, but what's your marker that actually... I guess, gives you some feedback to say that you started achieving that goal and you have reached that goal. So what is stronger to you? Do you want to be able to bench press or squat your own body weight? Do you want to be able to uh, you know, stand up out of your chair without any knee pain? Do you want to be able to climb stairs, um, stairs at a much more efficient rate because you're about to take a trip to, I don't know, Europe somewhere and there's a lot of cobblestones and climbing over there and you need to be able to step up over their steps and get through days of walking and hiking and sightseeing and things like that. So you really need to kind of have that vision of where you're heading to and how do you actually quantify what your goal is and the point of having that goal is then being able to step backwards from there to lay out a plan that helps you move towards that. I think, I mean, I always do this and again, this is just all mine and this is from years and years and years of practice but also years and years of going to uni and research and you know, reading up and continuing education over the years of what helps people achieve their goals, what helps people um, progress forward. And time and time and time again, having that goal and then re- reverse engineering it to the point of where we're starting now. So again, that plan is going to look very different if your goal is to run a marathon and you're doing you know that in six months' time as opposed to, Adam, I just want to run my first 5K um, fun run, and that's in 10 weeks' time. Those plans, that progress picture, the different phases we're going to go through, the different kind of, um, I guess, exercise bouts and things that we're going to employ throughout that time are going to be very different. So again, you need to know timelines, when that goal is, and then reverse engineer your plan back for, backwards from there. And that'll kind of take us into when I start talking about macro and micro phases and the different phases we go throughout a program. But again, just setting those goals, knowing where you're going and be able to point that needle in that direction of where you want to go to. I kind of um, talked about this just before, but likes and dislikes, I think that's a really important point in that if you're someone who loves being in the gym and I sit there and give you five days a week worth of cardio training outside, you're not going to do it. And it's, again, I haven't listened to you for one and I'm not attending to the goals that you're after. But for two, again, if you don't like it, you're not going to attend to it. And even if it's the best laid program, it's going to be useless to you. So understand what are your likes and dislikes and be open to finding a trainer, I think is uh, is key, that has similar likes to you. Now, I don't think they have to be exactly like you, 
but if if I'm trying to learn how to ski, for instance, I'm not going to go to someone who's never skied before, but has the technical now um, that um, is perfect textbook literature on how to ski. That's great that they've got all of this knowledge on the best way to coach someone in skiing, but I want to know that that person has skied. They know how it feels for feet to be in the boot, how it feels to the, your skis to go over powder snow or through icy snow, how it feels to ski through trees. If they're the kind of things that I'm trying to aspire to, like I want to become a really good powder snowboarder through the back country of Japan, I'm going to find someone who's skied powder in the back country of Japan so they can really give me an understanding of it. So again, knowing your likes and dislikes and finding someone that is on a very similar kind of, um, I guess, level as you with regards to being able to give you that feedback. But when I say he's on the same level, he's on the same level of likes and dislikes as you. But I always try and if I'm looking for a coach or a mentor or um, you know someone to help me progress me further forwards, I'm always looking for someone who is where I would like to be or you know might be even beyond where my wildest dreams could ever be. Always try and be you know, be taught by someone or mentored by someone or find a coach that is, as I said, somewhere where you'd like to be or you'd aspire to be because they've done it, they've been through probably the learning phase that you're going to be going through now. And so at every step of the way, they go, yes, I remember when I went through that, here's how I moved forward, here's what I did, here's how I went about it. And I think being able to do that can lend a much more deeper knowledge for you to actually make progress forward and help keep you going when you find those difficult points in time where you find it difficult. So I think that's a really big point to know your own likes and dislikes, but find someone that has very similar likes and dislikes. Now, that might be difficult to find if you've never exercised in your life and this is your first journey into starting exercise and getting back into it. The trainer that you might find might be someone that has never had that kind of um, starting point, you know, most, again, I'm only talking in the fitness um, space here, that most trainers, most people who are in the fitness industry are likely people who have come from an active life, have always been active, it's part of their life, it's part of what they do, and that's why they love helping clients and teaching people. But if you can feel that they've got an empathy for you, they've got an understanding for you, or they've worked with, I think this is another one, worked with many clients that are very similar to you and can show success stories from that and can tell you about um, the number of clients, you know, not the exact number, but kind of they can talk about the journeys that they've been through with clients like yourself. I think that's another way um, that you can find a good relationship uh, with a trainer that might not necessarily have walked the exact pathway that you have, but they've helped a lot of other people who have walked the pathway that you're looking at going through. Um, And just kind of on that, I think mostly, and I certainly do this, is that that first initial consultation, much like a first date, as I said before, it should be a feeler in that you can get a pretty good sense on a first date. Um, It's been a long time since I've been on a first date, but being on a first date, you can get a very quick sense of, is this the right person for me? You get a pretty good feeling for it and understanding that I just don't get this vibe, I don't feel this person, um, I can't see us kind of spending much more time together. The same thing with a trainer, a hairdresser, a ski coach, an art, uh, you know, learning how to do um, art or whatever it might be. You're going to get a pretty good sense from that initial consultation if this person's the right one for you. And don't be afraid to say to this person at the end of it, thank you for your time. I just don't think this is going to work out. 
and and move on from there. You know, don't don't. What's that um, false? What's that? I'm gonna get this wrong. Um, oh, what's it called? That um, a sunk fallacy. Co- um, sunk fallacy concept or whatever it is. It basically we we tend to stick with something the more time and the more money we invest into it. And so this is seen you know, a lot of the time in you know marriages that are well and truly done and gone. But because someone has put in years, they go, well, I've been with this person and married with them for 20 years. You know, I should stick it out and keep going. The moment it's not working for you, get out, cut your losses and move on. Just because you've been in something or invested something, you know, a lot of money or a lot of time in something doesn't mean that you should keep going with it. If you can't see this moving on any further, cut your losses and move on from it. And that certainly goes for a coach-client type relationship. If it's not working out anymore, and sometimes you just grow apart. Like it might be you've they've gotten you to a certain goal that um, you want to achieve, but now you've got completely different other aspirations because they've gotten you to where you um, originally wanted to be. So you move on and find a different coach that's then going to move you from where you are now to that new um, point. And I've had many clients over the years said, Adam, thank you so much for getting me to from point A to point B. I now want to go and do X, Y, and Z. And I found this great um, mentor, great coach, great you know person that's going to help me get to that. I shake their hand and say, that's amazing. I can't, I can't wait to hear all about your adventures moving forward. Congratulations and best, and best well wishes. You know, I really, um, really always want the best for my clients and you should feel that coming from um, someone that you're working with as well. And so that's kind of where my main kind of assessment that I will spe- you know, spend a good 45 minutes to an hour with someone talking all about those. I'll also look at injuries. Now, I'm just um, doing that from an exercise physiology point of view. Mostly the clients I worked with over the years are coming to me because of an underlying issue, injury, whether they're coming back from surgery or it's a niggling knee that they've had for years, bad back, bad neck, whatever it might be. Obviously, understanding where those injuries are helps me design a program that's going to help them move forward beyond that injury, but also allows me to take in consideration that injury. So I say that as well for you. If you've always had knee issues, always had a back issue, always had shoulder issues, then you need to be mindful as you're designing a program that you're not going to, um, I guess, put that at risk, cause more injury to it, or cause... Um, any potential risk uh, to that area. So just be mindful of injuries and how you can work around them. And if you need um, you know, some specialist help around that, I would find a local um, exercise physiologist or of course, always feel free to reach out to me. I'd always be more than happy to um, talk to you on how we could you know, design a program for you that moves around your injury, but also helps that injury and helps you move forward. So be very mindful of that as well. Once you've got all of that, You've now got a goal. You know where you're going. You know where the needle is pointing. You now need to reverse engineer that. And as I said, take steps backwards and plan the different phases. Now, I'm going to use a running just because it's it's very common to me. It's very familiar to me. And I've spoken about running a lot. We've had quite a few guests on about running. So I'm going to just talk about running just for um, to make this a constant and more familiar kind of way to design it. But the principles I'm going to talk about can be um, you know, placed into any kind of program. So let's just say, as I said, you've never run in your entire life and you say to, say to me, Adam, at the end of the year, I'm looking to do the Melbourne Marathon. It's in October. I've always wanted to run a marathon. Can you get me to it? Now, we're in April. Um, most 
uh, marathon programs would probably run over anywhere from 16 to 20 weeks. So we're talking about four or five months. So if we're April, so May, June, July, August, September, October, it's six months until October. So if you're listening to this in May, it'll come out on the 3rd of May, I think is Monday. If you're listening to the 3rd of May, you could use this very program to see you running a marathon in the Melbourne Marathon at the end of the year. It takes 16 to 20 weeks for a complete beginner uh, to run a marathon. Anyone can run a marathon. Now, you're not going to go from absolute zero, never run in your life to running a sub three hour marathon in October. However, you can absolutely be running your very first marathon in a respectable time. You know, if you're looking to run under five hours for your first uh, marathon, I absolutely think you could use this platform moving forward. But how I would look at that is I'd break that down. If we're looking at 16 to 20 weeks, we're looking at four to five months, I'd probably break it down into more kind of a macro phase of three different phases uh, through that. There'd be, you know, the, the beginning phase of about, let's say, four to five weeks, a middle phase of a good you know, six to seven weeks through there, and then the end phase being more of a taper phase, the, you know, the, the recovery phase and really have you coming on fresh would be a two to three week period at the end of it from there. Within those big phases is what we then call micro phases. And so we've got the macro phases, they're the big phases. Within that, a little micro phases. And I always tend to break my macro, uh, micro phases down into the weeks. So week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, week six, and moving on from there. And so obviously within each macro phase, so those bigger ones, we're looking at obviously trying to achieve something. And so in that original macro phase of about six weeks, so there's gonna be six micro phases within that first macro phase. I hope you're still with me. There's been a lot of times I've said phase um, and macro and micro, but within that first macro phase, there's six micro phases. And in that, I'm gonna try and basically build the fundamentals for you moving forward. Your goal is to run a marathon. You've told me you've got no real underlying issues with regards to injuries. You've got a running history that maybe you used to run as a kid, you always used to love it. You may not have done any particular events or followed on from there, but you've always been interested in running. You love your running, but now's your, now's your time. You've got this time that you really want to dedicate to running your very first marathon, but maybe you've come from no running history. But as long as there's no underlying issues, no underlying um, injuries to speak of, and you're you know, basically a full, a full bill of health moving forward, where I try and start moving from there is moving to um, build in the fundamentals. What's it going to take to get you across that line? Let's build those fundamentals. And for me, I've spoken about this on previous podcasts. There's certain strength aspects to a quality strong runner, and some and you know strength exercises are going to make you an efficient runner to keep you running as efficiently as possible. The biggest thing I see at the back end of marathons for people of any um, caliber of runner is their form starts to get sloppy towards the end, which just makes it even harder to run. You become less efficient. And so it's a really, really quick snowball effect of seeing you fall off the cliff of becoming, you know, at the 30K mark, you're looking great. And by 35K, you are completely kaput. You can't move, cramps everywhere. You feel completely exhausted. And it's just basically a a scramble and a crawl to get to the finish line. So what we're going to try and do is build you into a strong, efficient runner So come that 32, 33, 34, 35, all the way to 42 kilometers, you feel strong and you stay as efficient in your running as possible. And so we need to build your glutes. We need to build your hip flexors. We need to build a good, strong core. And we need to be able to get your legs moving at a good, consistent pace 
for a long period of time. So even if you're a quality runner and you're doing your first, you know, you're doing a marathon in three hours, it's still three hours of continuous movement. And if you're doing this over four, five, six hours, again, that's a long time to be doing something. And so we need to be able to make you strong, but make you repetitively strong over a long period of time. And so we're going to be working in high rep ranges. We're going to be working with relatively low weights, but we're going to be working to make those muscle groups that I just spoke about, your glutes, your hip flexors, and your core as strong as we possibly can to maintain your form throughout your running. So there's definitely going to be um, some program building around getting you strong in those areas. That could be some simple walking lunges. That could be some squats. That could be some arabesque type work. That could be some um, deadlift type work. It could be step-ups, single leg squats. All these different exercises are going to work in, uh, in and around all of those areas. But again, the point of this particular podcast is how to go about building uh, a quality workout program think about what your goal is what do you need to improve and let's build the fundamentals as the very first point of building a program to get that base level to get you moving towards there so if we're now building that strength around in your um, muscles we also obviously need to turn you into a runner so what's the fundamentals of running well you need to be able to put one foot in front of the after one foot in front of the other time after time after time after time after time again So let's start small. If you've never run before, let's just start running your first kilometer. You know, the key to running 42 kilometers is you have to run the first kilometer and then you have to repeat it 42 times. So let's just get the first kilometer out of the way. How did it feel to run um, one kilometer? How did it feel to run two kilometers? What pulled up sore? What pulled up tight? So what else can we work on? And it goes to um, a, a point I wanted to make in this phase is that the reason we break it up into macro phases and micro phases is it allows that adjustment throughout those micro phases. So the fundamental kind of um, goal out of that first macro phase that we're working in is to lay the fundamentals. That's the overriding goal. But if we see after week two that you're really pulling up tight in your hip flexors and the particular program we're doing is just putting too much pressure through there, we can make those adjustments throughout the micro phases that will keep helping you move forward and complete that goal of the macro phase, but we're adjusting throughout those micro phases. And that gives you that flexibility, having you know different um, overriding macro and micro phases that we're working through. And so again, coming back to whatever your example is of how you're going to design this program, is that be prepared to readjust. Just because we laid out this program for the next six weeks and we've been working through it um, one, two, three, and just going through um, the motions, if something's not working, you're not seeing the progress that you're, that you're looking for, you're feeling um, certain areas um, become overworked or something just doesn't feel right, readjust. Look at what's going on. What's the issue and how can you go about fixing uh, that issue? And so, again, just the big overriding point there is be, be prepared to readjust wherever uh, is needed. Now, the middle phase from there that we would be moving into, as I said, was the second um, macro phase of about six or seven weeks again. Now that you've laid the foundations, now we're going to start moving you towards increasing your speed to make sure that we're going to achieve the goal time. I don't think the goal should ever be run a marathon. You, I, I'm... 100% certain every single person on this planet right now listening to this, I don't care what weight you are, what fitness level you are, what age you are, you can go run a marathon tomorrow. Now, it might take you 12 hours to do it, but you can go and do it. 
Now, I'm controversial in saying this, and it's not going to please some people to hear it. I don't believe that they should be allowing people running a sub, uh, sorry, a post, I'd say post six-hour marathon. If you're out on the course for longer than six hours, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be there. Now, I'm all for encouraging people to get out there, move more, exercise more. But I think it's a detriment to the the sport of marathon running. But it's also, it's, it's time-consuming for course directors and it's very costly to shut down cities and roads and things like that. And so I, I'm very controversial in saying that. And again, you might not like me saying that, but... If you're taking longer than six hours, it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be out there. I think you should take your time. I think you should build up to it to a point where you can run that sub six uh, hour time, no worries, and get across that finish line. There's many events that have this. The Hawaiian Ironman has really strict cutoff times. If you're not out of the water by X time, they will pull you out of the water. Your day's done. They don't care if you've been um, training all your life to get to that moment. If you don't get out of that water at that time, you're out. Then there's a cutoff time for the bike. If you're not off the course, um, but the bike course by a certain time, they pull you off the course. You could be literally 100 meters from there and they will pull you off course. Um, I've seen this uh, and there's an end point as well. You don't get a medal if you're not crossed the line. So if you, you might've got out of the water in time, you might've got off the bike course in time and then there's an end cutoff point as well. If you're not coming across that finish line in that time, be it one second over, they shut the gates and you do not get a medal. Um, and I know of uh, a guy I used to work with. He did the Comrades uh, Marathon, which is an ultra marathon in South Africa. It's a 90-kilometer ultra marathon. And he spoke of a guy. Um, they got a really strict cutoff um, time. I think it's 17 hours. I think that's correct. I might be wrong. But I think it's about 17 hours. And yeah, he did it. Um, uh, this guy used to work. I think he did it in nine, nine or eight, nine or ten hours. You know, an, a ludicrous time. Incredibly um, uh, good runner. But after he he had done that, went back to his hotel. He had a shower. He got um, refreshed, and he thought, "I'm going to go down to the um, finish line to go and watch. You know, the rest of the people come across and cheer them across because you know I was cheered across the finish line. I want to be down there to help swear others on." The cutoff time was 17 hours. They had a bloke who was running down the finishing tunnel. 16 hours 50, 16 hours 51, 16 hours 52. He stumbles literally 20 meters from the finish line. He's been running for 16 hours and 59 seconds. And then a human train goes up across the finish line and they do not let you finish the, across the finish line. It's heartbreaking. And, but I think endeavors of sport and endeavors of endurance and things like that, you know, you shouldn't just be able to walk across that finish line whenever you like. There should be some sort of prestige to that. And I'm, I'm bullish on that with regards to the marathon. And I know I've gone completely off topic and it's not got anything to do with what we are. But my whole point around it was set yourself a goal. Whether that marathon is to run sub five hours, sub six hours, a four hour, a three hour, whatever your goal is. And obviously we're talking about marathon here, but whatever your goal is, have a tangible goal rather than just a kind of very open-ended goal. It's not just, I want to run a marathon. I want to run a marathon in five hours, 42 minutes. Get specific so you can know exactly, did you achieve your goal? Yes, no, by how much? But also with that, it allows us to then build a much more specific program that's actually going to be more meaningful and help you drive you forward. Currently at the moment, I'm trying to get my running time down to a sub 20 minute 5K. 
So my program is built around that, that I'm just trying to bring my um, um, speed or my time per kilometer down. I'm doing lots of 500 meter rolling intervals. I'm doing lots of speed work um, around an oval, a 400 meter oval. And I'm also doing some long distance work to just get some uh, endurance in my legs. So that's where my goal is at at the moment. And I'm very specific about it. I know exactly what I'm trying to achieve. And I know if I'm passing or failing on that. And every time I go out and do a training run, I've got my training times that I'm trying to hit. And I know, did I hit them? Yes, great, move forward. Did I hit them? No. Why can I go and do that next time and will it be better off or do I need to make a readjustment? Do I need to change some things up here? Same thing with this one. Trying to run that marathon, we're now trying to build speed into your legs so we start designing that middle macro phase around hitting those times. The original part was just all setting up the fundamentals. That's getting you running longer, that's getting you, let's build you into a stronger uh, runner they're the fundamentals. We've done that. We now need to actually start having a fundam- like a really specific plan that's moving you forward to a very specific goal. So that macro, that middle macro phase becomes very specific and it has specific outcomes that you can very much tick off and go, yes, I've reached that target. Great. Move on to the next one. Great. Tick that off. Move on. And until you do tick that off, you stay in that particular phase. And so a lot of middle macro phases can actually run a lot longer than you anticipated for. Now, if you've got a very hardline goal, as in we're speaking about here and running a marathon in October, you have to really be honest with yourself throughout that time. And at some point, you might have to pull the cord and go, look, I'm not progressing forward here. You either reevaluate your goal and then reevaluate your program, or you go, I'm pulling the cord here. I'm not, I'm not achieving what I needed to be. I'm going to get rid of that goal. I'm going to change my goal to be something else. Maybe I'm going to just go and run my first half marathon this year and I'll go through this process again next year and I'll build up to try and run my first marathon next year. Don't be afraid to readjust your goals and readjust the plan along the way. And be honest with yourself. You know, you've got your whole life to do this. You don't have to achieve something next week, this year, within the next six months. You've got your whole life. So feel free to take it slow, be consistent and know that your consistent efforts will pay off over time. So that's what that middle macro phase is, especially for, obviously we're talking about the marathon prep program and how I would then go right about the program. In that middle phase, I would massively reduce the amount of strength training we're doing because we're gonna really start loading up your legs with the distances we're gonna do and we're gonna put them under some pretty big strain in because we're gonna test them hard with obviously increasing your speed and doing more speed work as well as doing that distance work. And so in that original phase, we might be seeing you in the gym two to three times a week and out on the track two to three times, uh, at least three times a week, I would say. So we're looking at, um, you know, it could be six days a week if you're doing three individual days in the gym and three individual days running. Alternatively, I would like to see you start um, pairing some of them up. So it might see you on Monday doing a double session where you're doing a run and a gym session and then you might have a gym session on its own on Wednesday, a run on its own on Thursday. And so you split it up in different ways like that. But again, that's gonna be geared around your timetable. And we talked about that in the initial consultation. What do you have available? If you have 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. available every single day of the week, you've got two hours in there, cool, let's work with that. If you say to me, Adam, I can really only get four hours uh, a week. You know, I can do an hour on Tuesday, an hour on Thursday, and then an hour Saturday, an hour Sunday. Cool, that program there, of course, is gonna look very different to the program if you can give me a couple of hours every single day. Again, we make a program work to what you can do, but then we also have to be realistic about, well, maybe the goal that you're trying to achieve 
requires more input from you. Can you put in more input? If not, we might have to readjust that goal. Again, making those adjustments. Where's your goals? What's your actions? Where's your ambitions? Can you match those ambitions with the actions you need to put in? And it all comes together, as I said, to be very specific in that middle macro phase. Now, the end phase, it's the game time. It, you know, This is where all the fun starts to happen. We get to, especially in running sense, we get to go through a taper. We massively drop back all of the uh, volume that you're doing, the efforts that you're doing to get those legs as fresh as you possibly can to be ready for game day, for race day, however you want to call it. And again, for you, if your goal is coming up, you'll be gearing towards that. That end phase is always the time for recovery. Recovery is so important. Now, throughout the whole program, obviously, you will have times where you are recovery. You'll be talking about you know, getting massages or doing some foam rolling or making your stretching, making sure you're stretching plenty, eating well, sleeping well, all those things as recovery throughout the program. But that end macro phase of only two to three weeks uh, for most. Uh, that If you're doing a really long distance race, maybe you might have a, a, a longer um, taper. But for most people doing a marathon, a taper of two to three weeks is more than enough to have you feeling really fresh, neurally fresh, muscularly fresh, and also mentally fresh to hit that um, race line on game day and really feel at your best, jumping out of your skin, just ready to run down uh, that 42K and hit your goal and come across that finish line. And so that last one, as I said, would really pair back everything. We would probably do, do almost little to no strength training in that time. In this particular program we're talking about, there'd be a lot of mobility work, a lot of um, you know neural activation type work, so some balance work, some um, you know, single leg work, just to try and get you really balanced and feeling good uh, from there. A lot of um, stretching, a lot of foam rolling, and a lot of just... As I said, there'd still be a lot of running in there, but you'd be pairing back the volume considerably, you know, 30, 40% um, on your total volume for the week, dropping right back. Um, and that would then have you come back into that race day feeling as fresh as you can. Now, I kind of already talked about it there, but the structure um, of your program, as I said, can be fluid because there's going to be different points throughout um, any journey where you might go into a certain uh, program saying, yep, this is my availability. But four weeks in, you might have your first child. You might um, get a new job and it requires different working hours. It might require you to travel more. It might require you to move into a different um, state or country and you now don't have any access to the same gym you had, whatever it might be. Yes, things uh, would might change um, over that time. But get a really good understanding and look at your diary and put into that diary what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and exactly what you're going to do in those sessions before your week has even started. So it's in your diary, it's an appointment to yourself, and you it's a non-negotiable. Now, you don't have to put in that diary if other people can see access to your you know, online calendar to say, oh, he's going for a run. Oh, I can I can call him up and say, yeah, I, I, need, I need you for an, a meeting on one o'clock on Thursday. I see you're only going for a run, cancel that. You can put in and just say appointment or uh, unavailable, whatever it might be. You don't have to tell people why it's in there, but it becomes a non-negotiable. Just as if you had an appointment to go to the doctor, you wouldn't just say to someone who said, hey, Adam, can you uh, come in for a meeting at eight o'clock on Monday? If I had an appointment to go to the doctor, I'm not gonna say, yeah, I'll buy that doctor's appointment off, no worries. Yep, I can come in at that meeting. No, I'm going to that doctor's meeting. No, sorry, can't make eight o'clock on Monday. How about Tuesday at 10 o'clock? You know, just go straight back with them with an, another option, not that doesn't work for me, what else have you got? Be specific. Look at a time that does work for you. Look at your diary. Don't 
be a slave to other people. Look at your diary and make it work for you. Prioritize your time. If you've got a goal, you have to put in the time. You have to put in the effort. You can't expect to achieve a goal without putting in the effort. So make sure your structure is going to work into your life. You can make it consistent because consistency wins out over perfection every single time. You've heard me talk about that time and time again. Just be consistent with what you're trying to do. Make a structure, make a plan that's going to work for you within your life most of the time as effectively and efficiently as you possibly can. That's kind of all I had when I looked at, okay, what is someone going to need to hear when they want to try and design a program? And so if I can wrap it all up in a nice, neat little bow, we'll go over that really quickly to try and just hopefully cement some of the ideas we talked about and allows you to write down some notes if you haven't been already and go, cool. Adam talked about X, Y, Z. This is how to structure a plan. These are what we talked about. These are the things I need to look at. This is what's important. This is what's not important, how to go about it. So first, do a full assessment on yourself. Where have you come from? Where are you now? Where are you trying to go to? What is your goal? That's really important. Yes, it's important to know where you're coming from, where you currently are now, but you need to know what that goal is. So as I said, you can point that needle and head in that direction. Think about what are your likes? What are your dislikes? Build a plan that's going to be likable for you. You might have to do some things you don't particularly love, but you need to like them in some way, shape, or form. So if you're someone who's sitting here and saying, look, I really like going to the gym and I offer up CrossFit as a potential option, it might not necessarily be the gym that you really, really love. Like, of course, we're going to design a program that is it's going to have the gym that you love in it. But maybe there's some other elements because you said, I really want to become fit as well as strong. So maybe adding in some CrossFit, it's around that gym, you're still going to be lifting weights, but we're going to be doing it as you know, a you know, metabolic type session. It talks to different parts of your goals. You've got to do things that you like. You might not necessarily always love them, but definitely find things that you like. Definitely steer away from the things you really dislike and be open and honest with that. But again, you might have to change your goals because there might be some things that you say, I hate that, I'm not going to do it. Cool, well, if you don't want to do bench press and you want to become really strong through the chest and shoulders, then maybe we have to readjust that because you don't want to do bench press or whatever the kind of um, outcome may be. So just be open to doing some things you might not like, but you um, definitely don't do things you dislike. Think about injuries as well. Other things that we have to work around or be careful of moving forward when designing program. Then look at your program over at what kind of period of time are we at and break it up into those macro phases and micro phases. Normally macro phases are kind of three to four of them if we're looking over kind of you know a six to 12 month period. And then those micro phases are every single week with, uh, within that. What are you gonna, what's the main goal over that macro phase? And then over the micro phases over the next four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, however many weeks might be in that macro phase, What are you going to do week one, week two, week three, week four, week five that starts pressing you and sorry, pushing you and progressing you forwards step by step by step to achieve that goal in that macro phase time. And then when you've achieved that, what's the goal in macro phase two? And then week by week by week by week, you're stepping forward. You need to know where those plans are, what those steps are and be able to reevaluate and go, cool, I'm achieving my goals. I'm not achieving my goals. What can I readjust? And the overriding portion Um, kind of point that I said in there is be open to adjustments, be open to readjusting your end goal, be open to adjusting your current kind of macro phase goal and adjusting the program on the fly as you're going through out there. And then look to your structure of your week. What do you have available and what time can you commit to 
throughout this that's going to allow you to actually move forward uh, to your goal. So I hope that kind of pulls it up all into a nice little um, bow and gives you an understanding of exactly how to go about structuring a really quality um, you know, workout program, exercise program, running program, program to become a better artist, program to learn how to speak French, whatever the outcome or goal is, I think these underlying principles that I'm talking about are tried and true in all um, parameters of life in no matter what you're trying to achieve. And I really hope you walk away from this knowing how to now go about structuring a program, whatever that goal might be, to help you step forward from where you are now to where that goal is in two weeks' time, six weeks' time, a year's time, five years' time, 10 years' time, whatever it might be, you can start structuring that plan. So I really, really hope you got a lot out of this podcast. I really love talking about this stuff. I thought it'd be a really interesting podcast to do for you. Um, as I said, it's something I've done for 15 plus years now. and I've used this thousands and thousands and thousands of times from people who are returning war veterans, people who are coming back from a knee reconstruction, right up to I've trained Olympic athletes. So I've seen the spectrum of them all and I use the exact same principles for no matter who the client is, no matter what their goal is trying to achieve. And so I hope, as I said, you walk away from this uh, particular podcast today and it's been of value to you. So as always, if it has been of value, I'd love you just to take a moment, go and click that five-star rating on iTunes and just spend another couple of moments just writing a quick review. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could do that. Share it on your socials, capture me on that, make sure you tag the No Breakfast Guy on the socials so I can see that you've uh, enjoyed it and that you're liking it. And as always, guys, I really hope, as always, you enjoy this podcast and I enjoy our time each week chatting to each other. I know it's not a backwards and forwards and it's just me doing this forwards to you, but I do really hope that you enjoy it. And so again, guys, I love you all. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.